0: Here's how I've had to do it. I really—it's data-driven. You have to take the emotion out of it. You have to sit back and say, "All right, it's about focusing on what the customer wants." And if the customer's not coming back to a certain instructor's class, and you've done everything you can as a studio owner to promote that class and to, you know, help the instructor, teach the instructor, give them positive feedback, constructive feedback, everything like that. If the numbers aren't there, it's time to make a change. And and it's really, really hard.
1: Hi, this is Amy,
0: the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at
1: IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. I'm John McGowan, your host. If you've got something interesting that you'd like to communicate to me, you can reach me, john, at indoorcycleinstructor.com. Joining me today is a very passionate instructor slash studio owner, Karen Kassler, and she runs CB Cycle Barn in San Clemente, California. Welcome, Karen.
0: Thanks, John. Hi. Good morning.
1: Fun to have you.
0: It's fun to be here.
1: Right. And I'm very envious of your location. Describe uh, the weather for everyone where you are right now.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. The weather outside is not frightful. It's the most amazing winter we've experienced so far. It's like 80 degrees. And our studio is about a mile from the beach. So from my window, I can see the beach. I can see the
1: ocean. Okay. So help me understand something. Indoor cycling makes perfect sense here in Minneapolis where I think it was like four degrees this morning perfect sense. Why would someone want to ride indoors when it's 80 degrees outdoors?
0: It's a good question. I think because you can get things inside that you can't get outside. You can't take the outdoors away from the outdoor cyclist. It's who they are. It's nature of the beast. But if you can harness the energy of the being inside the four walls and the energy that you get from group exercise and from music, the music is what makes it. You get a whole group of people together, it becomes addicting. And then because we live here in Southern California, one hour indoors is nothing compared to the life we live outdoors. I mean, everything we do is outside. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing.
1: I'm an outdoor cyclist. And, you know, for years I rode with a very competitive group and we'd go out on a Sunday and ride 80 or 100 miles. And I would come back and, and Amy would ask me, well, how did it go? Good. You know, who'd you ride with? And I'd tell her, she knows some of the people, what'd you talk about? (laughs) And I'd say, nothing. What what do you mean, nothing? I mean, nothing. I mean, we don't talk. And she says, wait a minute, you're riding next to somebody for six, seven hours and you don't talk to them? Uh, No, you're focused on a lot of things, but communicating is not one of them. So you're right. Those of us that want to be outside, the whole communal music part of it just doesn't... uh, isn't what drives us.
0: You know what I found about the outdoor cyclist is I have such a high level of respect for the outdoor cyclist that I've learned to not even put it in the same category. So when I talk to the outdoor cyclists that come in, I found that they truly use it as more of a cross training and as a, uh, compliment to what they do outside to the outdoor cyclist. You get out, you go on the road and you ride for a long time. Like you said, what, 50, hundred mm-hmm. miles, right? The outdoor cyclist I've found likes to come inside and really just hit it hard for one hour. They like to be able to use the power consoles that we have on our bikes and they like to be able to set goals for themselves and they can kind of monitor Watts that a lot of them can't do outside. And then it takes what they've, they take what they do inside and tell me that they're stronger on the road outside. And because we have a, An off-season with the outdoor cyclist in the winter, we do get a lot of people that come in and train specifically indoors. Even though the weather's nice outside and they can ride outside, they like to come indoors because it's a different kind of training. And it's a huge complement to what they do outside. They're not the same at all. So I think once you are able to say to the outdoor cyclist, I love what you do and I respect what you do, and I realize you prefer to be outside, but come inside and spend an hour with me and see how it affects what you do outside. Then they're more open-minded to writing indoors. It's pretty cool. Right,
1: but But the initial appeal isn't the communal part of it, the music part of it.
0: Not for them, but then they find out it's fun. Then they find out it's fun.
1: And then they keep coming back. Well, it sounds like you've got this figured out. (laughs) uh, uh, Give me a a little understanding of your studio. Obviously, you can see see the ocean, something I can't do, (laughs) Uh, but uh, how big a space do you have?
0: I have about, I would say... 850 square feet for my studio with 36 bikes in it. And then I have an outdoor lobby area that lends itself to people hanging out, which people really do like to do. So there's a front desk and then down the basically hall or lobby, there's a couple couches. We have free Wi-Fi. We kind of keep it like a lounge pretty much. And then the studio itself is, you know, behind closed doors, but 800 square feet, 850 square feet.
1: And then uh, what kind of bikes are you using? Cycles?
0: I have the free motion 11.9 carbon, and I love them with power.
1: With power, and you got, but you got the belt drive version.
0: Yes, which I love.
1: Do you get any negative feedback from the cyclists on that bike?
0: No, they love it. They absolutely love it. And As a matter of fact, I had a couple of people try it who are outdoor cyclists. Because I'm not an outdoor cyclist, I do understand the importance of um, getting their feedback. So before I bought the bike, I did ask a couple people to ride it. And for them, it was the closest thing they felt to the road.
1: Awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. And now, and to take advantage of that technology, you're also using Performance IQ? Yeah,
0: I am. I love it.
1: Interesting. Okay. And you're not an outdoor cyclist. Um, Did you have an initial interest in the whole power display, all that? uh, Or is that something that you wanted to have? Because you thought it would be important for your studio.
0: I knew I was aware of power because I rode with it at the club that I was working out at before I opened the barn. So I took classes at the Renaissance Club, which is in Aliso Viejo, and they taught with power. Once you ride with power, you realize what an amazing tool it is. You may, you realize how it takes your workout to another level. And it's really hard to go back.
1: Uh, 10-4. <laughs> it's just
0: hard to go back. It's like, you know, you have the horse and carriage and then you have a car. You really aren't going back to the
1: horse and carriage. So I understand that part, but how about the display side of it? Um, you know, what cuz that isn't inexpensive. You know, so how what were what, what was the value you saw in adding that?
0: The value in that was it's simple to me. Performance IQ takes your ride to another level, no matter who you are. It's a little bit intimidating for some people at first, once they think, oh gosh, my power, my Watts and everything are going to be up on the screen. But what I've really learned and what I've really embraced is layering it into an existing club. Introducing performance IQ to an existing club is very different than introducing it with a club that's brand new. So all of a sudden you have a set core group of clients and customers who are already used to training with power. They're already used to seeing what their numbers are, but they're not used to having their numbers up in front of everybody.
1: So oh, wait, so just so that I'm clear. So, so you didn't have that right away. No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Now I understand. And this is
0: actually, John, a very very valuable direction in which to go because one of the things I think I've done very, very well is understand that you can't throw new things at people quickly It's important to have layers and to gently introduce anything new to a group of people. Otherwise, they're going to be resistant to change. It's just natural. Got it. Yeah. If you open a studio with performance IQ, sure, you can go full speed ahead. It's what people expect walking in the door. But if you open a studio and you don't have it, and then all of a sudden you're introducing it, there's a lot of steps to bringing that on board.
1: Well, okay. So what were the steps that you used?
0: I think primarily the first thing you have to do is educate your instructors. You have to get the instructors on board. And one of the things I am particularly proud of is our team works and functions like a team. I have 20 instructors on staff. And I'm proud to say we all really like each other and get along. We all take each other's classes. We're all involved. We have a Facebook page that's dedicated just to the instructors. So we'll say, hey, have you checked out this song? Or, you know. One of our members. Also, oh,
1: you have a private group just for your instructors. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Capitalizing on social media is huge, not just in terms of your customers, but also in terms of your instructors. I mean, let's face it: part of having happy customers is having happy instructors. So, if you're taking, if I'm taking care of my cust- my instructor, they're more likely to take care of the customer. I think if everybody's happy, everybody wins. So, the first part of launching cb2iq which is what we call it is making sure all the <laughs> instructors thank you <laughs> okay. thank you all the instructors are on board not every instructor is going to want to teach it and that's okay but we did have tay from performance iq come on out and we had i think a good good showing of instructors w- which were excited to learn it and we did a little uh, masterclass with him and everybody was open to learning it and then when i sat down with everybody i wanted them to understand that how you present this is going to very much affect how it's received. So if you're able to say as a group of instructors, look at these numbers and let's focus on the numbers as a team and not as an individual, all of a sudden it's less scary. All of a sudden it's not, you know, Susie's number up there on the television screen. It's the class's number up there on the screen. So the first step was A, to educate the instructors on how to introduce it B Get them to buy in and introduce it as a team effort, launch it, and the instructors also have to be excited about it. Because if the instructors are excited about it, then the people are excited about it.
1: Forgive me, because I've I've had a lot of conversations, experienced it personally, where those steps aren't taken on the front end, and then you have a bunch of confused instructors <laughs> you, who then end up confusing their participants. Um,
0: oh, that's super important.
1: They're all saying different things, and, and uh, no, I, 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 it sounds like you're wise. So, so, so what you were introducing as far as performance IQ, people are already looking at their own monitor. They can see what their own work is, but you're showing them the to class totals.
0: Exactly. Initially. Exactly, and it's all how the instructor teaches it. So, if I were to walk up and onto the stage and introduce this class, I would show them, "Hey, here's your leaderboard." Absolutely, you want to find your bike number up in the column that has your bike. But take a look now at the top boxes. Take a look at the power and the RPM and the energy in the top boxes. That's what you're doing together as a team. So I actually have this amazing story, if you don't mind. So I, oh, go ahead. I, I'm teaching this class, and the only thing I focused on was the group number. Here's an example. Let's get our RPM set at 64. You're on a hill. Everybody hits 64, look at that number, great job. You guys are awesome, hold that. Now, you set the number for power. Let's see you bring it up by 20, 150, awesome. 150 watts, awesome, hold it. Through the course of a song, now we get to together increase the power. Don't increase your RPM, hold 64 and now show me 180. Show me 190. Energy is incredible. Show me 200 and hold it. As a team, hold it. Here's what that does even the person who is at the very bottom ranking on the leaderboard feels a part of something. Even the person who maybe would never, ever push harder, now all of a sudden is pushing harder because they realize every single person counts. After I taught that one class, I had a girl come up to me after class. And I say, girl, she's probably in her fifties. She says to me, Karen, I felt like I was taken back 10 years to when I used to ride outside as a group. She goes, it brought tears to my eyes and gave me chills because I felt like I was a part of something and we all worked hard together. And I was like, oh my goodness, I never expected that kind of answer from somebody.
1: Wow. That's pretty powerful. People like that come back.
0: Yeah, it was pretty cool. It's pretty. It's once you find that emotional attachment, that's where the fitness magic happens, and that's what keeps people. That's what brings people back. That's what makes it fun.
1: That's very encouraging, (laughs) motivating. Yeah, I wish I had that in my studio. You know, getting back to your instructors, did you have some that just said, "Nah, I don't want to"?
0: I do have a couple that have no interest. Yes, and that's okay. Okay. And that's actually okay with me. Not every class we offer is IQ. Right now, we only have about nine classes on the schedule. But uh, there's some, there's such a variety of classes at the barn that not every instructor has to teach every format. There's some instructors that will never, ever teach a rhythm class. They will never, ever be a party on a bike, ever.
1: How, how do I differentiate if I'm going to choose a class at your studio? How do I know what I'm getting into?
0: Basically, we have them listed on the schedule. One of the things I think that's special about CB Cycle Barn is that we offer a diversity of classes. So there's really something for everyone. But the important thing is you have to let them know that. So we have your regular CB2 cycle class, which is going to be a lot more traditional spinning, so to speak. We have CB2 rhythm, which is a little more like, I can't say it's like Soul Cycle, but it brings it a little more party on a bike. We don't focus on watts so much. We focus on being lighter in your pedals, a lot of movement on the bike, a lot of, you know, up for back four, some lunges, some crunches, anything that kind of just keeps the motion going. And it almost becomes therapeutic for so many people. So that's rhythm. We have CB2 IQ, which you always want to know what you're getting into with that, where the leaderboards are up. And we also have CB2 total body, where we use power sack sand weights for upper body for two songs
1: interesting. Which classes are the most popular?
0: Rhythm is tending to pick up in popularity quite a bit. People really like the rhythm classes. The nice thing about the CB2 cycle is we can freckle in some strength with some rhythm. Like For example, this morning I taught at 5 a.m. I had a huge compliment of, that was an amazing combination of strength riding and rhythm. The gentleman said, you did a really good job of putting those two together. I like to mix the fast twitch fiber with the slow twitch fiber and kind of focus on muscle confusion sometimes. And then the class I taught right after that was all rhythm. So rhythm is becoming the most popular, to be honest, between men and women. And then the CB2 IQ is nice because, I'm sorry, the CB2 regular cycle class is nice because you can really do anything you want in that class. That's an clean slate for an instructor to pretty much do whatever they want. Strength, sprints, endurance, rhythm, whatever they want.
1: Before we got started, we were kind of brainstorming a couple of different things because you and I could probably talk here for four or five hours, um, but I don't know that we'd get anyone to listen to the entirety of that. A concept that quickly came to mind with you is that occasionally you find yourself as a studio owner in a position where an instructor doesn't fit or potentially a participant doesn't fit. And I'd love to know your experience and, and how you dealt in those situations, you know, starting with the instructor. It's not easy firing people, is it?
0: It's really hard. And it's new for me. It's new for me because I've never owned a business before. And, you know, I'm Aquarius. I love everybody. I think there's a place for everybody, but what I've really had to learn is sometimes that place is not the barn, and it's it, and it's a difficult transition for me. Here's how I've had to do it: I really it's data driven. You have to take the emotion out of it. You have to sit back and say, "All right, it's about focusing on what the customer wants." And if the customer's not coming back to a certain instructor's class, and you've done everything you can as a studio owner to promote that class and to you know, help the instructor, teach the instructor, give them positive feedback, constructive feedback, everything like that. If the numbers aren't there, it's time to make a change. And, it, and it's really, really hard.
1: How long do you give them?
0: I give them a long time because I really believe in people in general, but Now I've gotten to the point where I actually have learned something really valuable, and we talked about this a little bit before. I have to sit back and not worry as much about hurting people's feelings because at the end of the day, my primary goal, my primary focus always with the barn is the customer. How do I take care of the customer? By nature, I'm very service-driven. It took me a little while to learn that if I'm not taking care of the barn as a business, then I can't take care of the customer, so that kind of put everything into perspective with me, both with customers and instructors. Sometimes it's not always a good fit. Sometimes people need to turn the page and move on.
1: You found yourself in a position where you have to kind of draw the line. Yes, I realize, Mister or Mrs. Instructor, you know, we're friendly, mm-hmm. but you're not. Yeah, you're not bringing it.
0: Yeah, and I had I I really am. One of the things I've had to be very conscious about is not getting, when, you, when I talk to the instructor about this, not getting emotions involved, this is purely data-driven. This is There's four people at your class. Those four people every time are new people. So the nice thing about having software like MindBody is you can tell exactly who's coming back to your class. There's retention reports. So you can see certain instructors have a very high retention rate. Once a customer goes to their class, they keep coming back. But if you're teaching in a time slot and every time it's a first five free, first we we offer five classes free in the beginning for everybody, Mm -hmm. but they don't come back to that instructor or you even get a veteran barn member show up at this person's class and they don't come back. That's where there's a problem and that's where something has to be done. And it's tough, but I've learned it has to be done.
1: Right. And I and I'm gonna guess that there's people gonna hear that that are are gonna it's gonna open their eyes and say, Yeah, you know
0: (laughs) It was scary. I'll (laughs) tell you what, I'll tell you what, you know, I the first time I had to do it, I called Bill Pryor. I called, Bill, what do I do? I'm like, I need help. I said, This one's really hard for me. I've never had to do this before. And he just you know, he said, Karen, just sit back and realize that it's a business decision and it's something you have to do and take all the emotion out of it let your software speak for you. It's all right there for you. And it's nice to have resources like that in this industry. It's really nice to have people. It's really nice to know that as a studio owner, that there's so many people out there willing to help you as well.
1: Awesome. Yeah. No, Bill is uh, amazing uh, and very valuable to many studios. And I don't know where the guy has time to sleep (laughs) (laughs) because I, because I know for a fact that you're probably not the only one calling him. Oh yeah. The, the, uh, do you communicate upfront your expectations to your instructors as far as fill rates or retention, those type of things?
0: I don't. What a good idea. No, I never have. I kind of just let it go. I just let it go and see what happens. And, you know, naturally the time slots fill because they're... Good time slots, but the instructors. What I found is basically the people, the customer follows the instructors. There's certain instructors you can put them in any time slot, and they're going to fill any class. That's not a good answer for that question. I really don't have anything.
1: No, no, but I excited to say I, again. About that. the The point of this is, you know, to help people understand because expectations clearly communicated are tend to be motivating to a lot of people.
0: Well, you know, one thing we've talked about is paying instructors based on. Like a per head basis. So anything over 20, you know, we'll pay you X amount of dollars above and beyond. We haven't done that yet because I haven't really felt the need to yet. But that is something that I'm, that I've entertained.
1: Got it. Are you willing to share what you're paying people?
0: Sure. 25 to 40. And that's another thing that's really important for me. I prefer to pay a little bit over industry standard. I know that most studios pay probably like 30 at the top of the range, I pay 40. I'm a cuz I've been in business now a year, I'm about to even bump that up, to be honest, for my best instructors. But I really feel like if the most important thing when I opened the barn was my instructor team. I focused entirely on finding instructors who do this because they love it, not because they want the paycheck. If I could find non-ego driven instructors that do it because they realize they're making a difference, then that's driving the culture of my studio. And then if I pay them more than they're making anywhere else, I also then have them more loyal to me. So let's face it, as an instructor, and you're going to go on vacation and you need to sub out classes, I'd much rather have them saying, I'd much rather get my class in at the barn than over here at the big box gym that pays me less and isn't as fun. For me, I did a couple things to really make it instructor-focused when I first opened Number one, I paid them more than anywhere else. Number two, I started my studio with three microphones. You're an instructor. How many times does a microphone go out? (laughs) It is so easy to capture a new instructor when you say, look, I have got three microphones. If this one goes out, turn this one on. It's not that much money, and it's almost like a no-brainer. So the stereo works, the microphone works, and then... All of a sudden, you show them this magnificent bike that, at the time, there were only 500 of the 11.9 carbon drives in the United States, so I had one of the first 500. At the time, no one had ever seen that bike, so everyone's all excited about it. By making it exciting for the instructors, in the beginning I made sure that I had a team dinner and everybody got to know each other. By making it exciting and creating a team environment, then that just transferred over, in my opinion, to the customer. But if you're not communicating with the instructors, like I've worked at places where the group exercise coordinator never even gets in touch with you via email or anything. It's just you're in passing. You, don't, you just show up and teach your class, and then you go. The cool thing about the barn is if you make it fun, not only do the members want to be there, the instructors want to be there. I have instructors that drive 30 minutes to teach here.
1: Karen, okay, so so we understand the uncomfortable issue about dealing with an instructor that isn't going to continue with you. Uh, what happens when you have a participant that may not be a good fit? We started to talk about it, and I stopped you because I wanted you to just say it the first time and because it typically comes out better that way. So tell us that experience.
0: That's a hard one. That's a hard one, John, because I re- the, the hardest one I've had is somebody who was a personal friend of mine, too. And almost people will tend to take advantage of you when you're nice. And I've had to learn that the hard way with customers. I don't even know where to go with this. But eventually, you just have to you have to address the group. It's just like group exercise. So if someone's got their elbows out and you're teaching you tell the whole group elbows in. So if you have a customer who's not compliant and who doesn't want to follow the rules basically, they don't want to late they don't want to cancel yet they don't want to be charged for a no show. If you have a customer who doesn't follow the rules, you kind of have to talk to everybody. So you send out a mass email and then sure enough they're going to send you the email back going I don't think that's fair. So you answer it as nicely as you can, you know, thank you for your response. I value your business. At the end of the day, oh, this was, it's just hard. So when I first, basically what happened was when I first opened, I created a friends and family discount and I created uh, anyone who had transferred over with me from my old gym. I created a monthly rate of $50 a month. My goal is to kind of get people in the saddle. And if you can offer a discounted price, a reduced rate price, that at least puts bodies in the room and builds the energy while you're trying to build the business, which was really important to me. Well, it's a very small select group of people. And of course, as we grew and grew, and we've grown so fast over the last year, we've it's hard to it's been hard to keep up with. There's been a couple classes that sell out every time with a wait list of between 10 and twelve. So when I finally let people know that your reduced rate has blackout times, just like Disneyland, your reduced rate, you're welcome to take 47 other classes on the schedule. We've got 49 classes. The same person who always wants to call you and say, I'm sorry I can't make it. I woke up with a sore throat or, you know, my back hurts, that same person says, Well then I just need to quit because you need to, you clearly want to take care of your business and that's more important than the customer. And then it's just not for me. And I, it was really hard for me, but I had to say, you know what? At the end of the day, if I don't take care of the business, I can't take care of the customer and you can't afford to stay in business if you're not doing something with those reduced rates during primetime slots. It's exactly like Disneyland.
1: Got it. So these classes were full. And, and yet they're being populated by people who are taking the place of a higher paying. Yeah. Potential. Yeah. Got it.
0: Yeah. And another thing that's really hard are people who come in and just automatically are upset with everything. There's always, we're the happiest place in town. The energy at the barn is amazing. So you walk in and everybody's happy and I call it chirping. Everybody chirps. Then you get one person brand new who walks in and their energy is really low and immediately everything's wrong. That's an easier one for me to fix. If you just are super nice and always smile and treat them with kindness and respect that they're probably not used to having, that kind of customer is easy to win over. But it's the one that has been long-term just beating you down and beating you down and beating you down and nothing's ever right, that it's better to just say, it's okay. We can separate. We can part ways. It's a hard thing to do, but it has to be done.
1: As a sales guy, you know, there's training that says that there are certain customers that you're instinctively trying to cling to. Mm-hmm. You don't want to lose any, and yet they're a huge time suck, mm-hmm. or like you're describing, kind of an emotional suck.
0: Sure. It's a time vulture, too, it, literally.
1: Right. And, and at some point, you have to fire them, as they would say. I mean, it sounds harsh, but that's essentially what you're doing.
0: Yeah. It's better for everybody. I mean, that we just don't need that kind of energy especially when you are promoting such a positive energy in a positive place.
1: How did you do it?
0: I sent out the mass email. I find that when you're talking to a group of people, that if you can target it just like group exercise and say, here's the deal, here's what you can now expect, those that aren't going to like it are immediately going to just disengage, and that's what happened.
1: So you didn't have to confront them personally. Correct. You just, just said, "This is our policy." Yeah. And, period. And and uh, and we're very straight about it. And you have to,
0: yeah. And you have to again take out the emotion, and that part's really hard for me too. But you just kind of have to make it cut and dry, and it is what it is, and policy is policy. There's a certain point when it's not. You ha- it has to be fair for everybody. So how do you take care of everybody? What's better for everyone? Sometimes there's a few people that are not going to fit into that and it's okay for them to go. There's so many other places. There's so many other things they can do.
1: You know, within our industry, there's a, there's a, oh, I don't know how do I describe it, a sensitivity to be t- concerned. And yet that concern tends to be focused on a, a small percentage, maybe even an individual in a class, for example. That's the, probably the exact wrong approach to take.
0: Yeah, but don't you think that with all the social media, too, that we have every right to be scared? I mean, think about it. If they just shoot something out on Facebook or Yelp, that's out there forever. Right. It's really hard. I
1: understand. Being a business owner is hard. Being in front of the public is hard. No, I understand exactly what you speak of.
0: Yeah, the social media thing can take you in so many great directions, but I'll tell you what there's that one time if someone ever says anything negative about you, you can never take it off of there.
1: Nope. Only hope that all the positive voices kind of drown them out. Mm-hmm. But I, at the same time though, Karen, I think people recognize that in social media, they're trolls. You know, they're <laughs> people that are going to respond negatively to you no matter what you do. And so you can't, you can't even give them any attention, you know, cause that's what they are. They're trolls. They're uh, for lack of a better term.
0: Yeah, you you can only be nice for so long. That's what I found out. You really can only be nice for so long. And at the end of the day, the bottom line is I have to take care of the barn.
1: You have to take care of the barn. Well, I think we're going to end at this because we're a little over half an hour, and it's been awesome talking with you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Just to give everybody an understanding, how do they get connected with you if they want, if they're in California sometime, they want to come by and see what you're doing?
0: Awesome. We're at uh, cbcyclebarn.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, which is super easy. And Cycle Barn is all one word. So it's cbcyclebarn.com. Well,
1: Karen Kassler, so enjoyed talking with you. And you've had a lot of great information to share. And uh, Best of luck to you uh, and the rest of your horrible winter you're having there.
0: (laughs) Thank you, John. It's been fun. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for listening to the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast, the voice of indoor cycling. You can find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com, and we're in the iTunes Music Store. Search Indoor Cycling and subscribe to our free podcast. Now, if you're like most instructors, you're struggling with finding the time to create the perfect class profile and the music playlist to go with it. If that sounds like you, consider a premium subscription to ICI Pro. We've done all the work for you. Inside ICI Pro, you'll find the largest collection of comprehensive class profiles for teaching conventional classes, classes featuring heart rate, and also power, contributed by the most diverse collection of master trainers and rock star instructors on the planet. Every profile includes a complete music playlist we guarantee your class will enjoy. Combine ICI Pro with Spotify and you could be ready to teach an awesome class in minutes Visit indoorcycleinstructor.com forward slash pro and start your no-risk trial subscription today.